Welcome back to The Rollout. I'm Jeff Pratt, and joining me as always is Trent Henrich. How's it going, Trent? It's going well. Really starting to enjoy summer. Absolutely. It's getting warm down here in New Hampshire. All right, today we're going to do something new. Trent and I have each come up with lists ranking our top 10 free agency moves. So let's just get right into it, shall we? Trent, what is the 10th best free agency mood move made this offseason? At 10, I decided to go with the Broncos uh, acquiring A.J. Bouye from the Jaguars. Uh, Bouye is still young. He's 28 years old. And the Broncos only had to give up a fourth-round pick to acquire him. The Broncos kind of had a hole at corner just because they just, they chose not to re-sign Chris Harris. So I think it's a good addition for Denver to go out and chase A.J. Bouye and add him to their defense. Yeah, I like that move. Um I don't have a ton of defensive players on my list, but I, I did consider putting Bouye on there. He's just a little past his prime for me uh, to slide him in there, but he's definitely a good Chris Harris replacement. Uh, so at number 10 for me, I have a guy who I have a feeling is going to show up a bit higher on your list, and that's the Saints signing Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders may have just turned 33, but this is the perfect signing for both New Orleans and him. The Saints put up uh, the Saints are putting the most capable number two receiver next to Michael Thomas we've seen since Brandon Cooks was there, and Sanders should definitely flourish catching passes from Drew Brees. The signing just adds another big weapon to New Orleans' offensive arsenal. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I have Emmanuel Sanders on my list. He just, like you said, hasn't popped up yet. Yeah, fair enough. So why don't we get into your next guy then? Yeah, my next guy may be higher on your list than well. I, I have Rob Gronkowski. Um, coming out of retirement this time with the Bucks coming at nine. The reason I have him at nine is just because of how deep uh, the Bucks are in like the wide receiver tight end category. I think that there's a lot of targets and a lot of offensive firepower already on the Bucks offense. So I'm not sure how large of a role he will have compared to what he did on the Patriots in, in the past. That's why I have him at nine but I think he will make a major impact on this offense. Yeah, you know, believe it or not, I don't have Gronk on my list. I definitely considered it, but it's just because of that uncertainty factor with him. Is he going to be the Gronk we saw the last year he played where he was banged up in a shell of his former self? Or did the year off really help him get his mind and body right? And is he going to come out of retirement and just smash it again like he did uh, earlier in the past for the Patriots? Uh, at number nine for me, I have the Texans trading for Brandon Cooks. You know, Houston gave up a second-round pick for Cooks, who is making around $16 million per year, and that's why he's not higher on my list. I do love Cooks, but that contract is risky because of his concussion history. If he can stay fully healthy, healthy though, he could absolutely explode in this offense. Prior to last season, Cooks put up five straight 1,000-plus yard seasons, and he's still in the perfect situation to do so again if he can just stay on the field. He's also only 26. And in reality, he just has the talent to be a top 10 receiver in this offense. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Cooks move as well. I Like you said, I chose to not put him on my list just because of his injury concerns and his durability. Just because he could come into this offense and only play a couple games. And all the money they put into Cooks could be wasted. So I think it's kind of a high risk, but very high reward scenario. That's the only reason he's not on my list. Yeah, that's fair. That's pretty much the same reason that Gronk's not on my list. They're both high-risk, high-reward players. So, Trent, who's number eight on your list? Yeah, number eight, I have another defensive player. Uh, I have Calais Campbell being traded to the Ravens for a fifth-round pick. Mm -hmm. I think uh, he's a lot better than a fifth-round pick, first of all. 
So for the Ravens to be able to get him for that cheap was a big steal, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Campbell's defensive end, he was a he was a beast in his prime. He's 33 now, so he's starting to show a little bit of age. But I think he'll still be a strong leader on this defensive line, and he'll still put up solid numbers for this Ravens team. You know what, Trent? Great minds think alike. At number eight, I have the Ravens acquiring Calais Campbell. I mean, just like you touched on, Baltimore only traded a fifth-round pick for one of the best defensive ends in the game. Campbell may be 33, but this is an absolute steal that adds to an already dominant defense. There's no way you can look at it and think otherwise. Hey, good call, Jeff. Yeah, hey, good call, Trent. (laughs) All right, uh, so I guess I'll move on then and talk about my number seven, which is one that might surprise you, but I know that you know I'm really high on this guy, and that's the Falcons trading for Hayden Hurst. Hurst played third fiddle to Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle for the last two seasons in Baltimore, but there is a reason he was a first-round pick just two years ago. Atlanta loves to utilize their tight ends. I mean, just look at how productive Austin Hooper was in that offense for the last two years. So in my opinion, there's a really good chance Hurst just fits into this offense seamlessly. Yeah, I'm not as high in Hurst as you are. Like you said, you have a lot more faith in Hurst than I do. I just, I don't know how strong he is going to be. I mean, he looked good on the Ravens. I just don't have much faith in him as a player. You know what? I don't know if I have that much faith in his talent. To be honest with you, I think he probably should have played baseball. I know he was deciding between playing baseball and football. I think he probably made the wrong decision uh, going into the draft. But he is in the league now. He was a first-round pick. He's got the intangibles to be a really good player, and he's going to get a ton of targets from Matt Ryan this year. Yeah, you're right. He'll definitely get the targets this year. Yeah, definitely. So who's number six for you? Or is it seven? I'm sorry. It's seven, and it's – Someone you, you did talk about already, I have Emmanuel Sanders slotted in at seven. I'm really high on Emmanuel Sanders. I've been a big fan of, of his for a long time. He killed it on the Steelers. He was, I was a big fan of watching him earlier in the career when he was on the Steelers. And I think him being added onto the Saints office, offense is going to be – and he's going to have a huge role just because he's going to take a lot of pressure off Michael Thomas's shoulders – Michael Thomas put up one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time last year. And for him to, you know, have, have people think he can put up those numbers again is just unrealistic. He was just in a certain scenario in which he had so many targets. And it's, it's, it's very hard to, to continue to play it at that high level for a full season. So for the Saints to bring in Emmanuel Sanders, who's a veteran in this league, can kind of teach Michael Thomas a bit. But at the same time, Sanders gets – you know, almost second life with this Saints team, and he's going to get a good offensive role. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, he really hasn't had a quarterback throwing to uh, throwing to him that's been reliable since Peyton Manning back in 2013-2014. So this is a huge step up from Drew Locke last year and Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the year. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So who do you have at six? Uh, I have Teddy Bridgewater signing with the Panthers. You know, three years and $63 million is somewhat expensive for a quarterback who only started five games last year for the Saints, but the Panthers got their guy. It's hard not to root for Teddy B, who has fought through so much adversity to get to this point, that now that he'll have more of a free reign to prove that he's more than just a glorified game manager, which is what he was for the Saints. They really just stuck him in there, told him what he had to do to win the game, and he did it. Now that he has more of an opportunity to showcase his talent and his arm, I really expect him to excel in Carolina. 
Yeah, I mean, I have Teddy B a bit higher on my list. As I expected you would. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll talk about him when we get there. Sure, so who's number six for you? Yeah, number six, I have another defensive player. I have the Cowboys signing Gerald McCoy, uh, defensive tackle. He, wow, nice, he got, okay. He got, he got paid quite a bit of money. Um, yeah, he's proven in the past that he is worth a big contract, in my opinion. He's going to be a starting defensive tackle alongside Demarcus Lawrence and, and a strong Cowboys defensive unit. The biggest question is just Jared McCoy's age. I think he's 32 or 33, so he's yeah. not in his prime anymore. Yeah, I think he's going to produce two or three really strong years for this Cowboys team. Yeah, you know, Gerald McCoy didn't make my list, and I didn't really consider him being there, but I, I really respect that. You're clearly much higher on the defensive signings than I am. Uh, I probably should have done a little more research, it's sounding like. Um, but yeah, I do have one more defensive player that you'll see a little higher. Uh, and we'll move on to number five right now, if that's all right with you. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, cool. At number five, I have a guy who I'm not honestly sure if you have him on your list. But for me, he was a huge signing this offseason. And that was Austin Hooper coming to the Cleveland Browns. Hooper has had over 70 catches in his last two seasons. And he's one of the most reliable tight ends in the league. This is a great signing for Cleveland. Obviously, the contract was four years, $44 million. That's a little much for Hooper, but he's still young. He's an established vet who can go into this offense at Cleveland and really provide another reliable target for the Browns, who now boast arguably the most talented offensive arsenal in the league. Now, obviously, hopefully Baker Mayfield can figure things out, as this offense will do nothing if he fails again. But bringing in Hooper for this Browns team was a great move in my eyes. Yeah, the only reason I don't have Hooper on my list is just because I thought he was well overpaid. I think Hooper's a very good tight end, top top seven in the league for sure, definitely in talent. I just don't know if he's worth all the money that the Browns chose to shell out to him. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you look at guys that are paid this offseason, we'll get into that a little later. They're getting paid, their market value is higher than their actual worth because that's just how it works in the NFL. That's true. Yeah, so who's number five for you? Yeah, at five, I have another defensive player. Um, I have free agent Byron Jones. Uh, he signed a five-year, $82.5 million contract with the Dolphins. Uh, Jones, a cornerback, he killed it with the Cowboys. Kind of, uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's going to perform even stronger this season and, and the next couple of years. And he kind of has to, to prove that he's worth being the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL, but I think this Dolphins team really made a lot of strong moves this offseason on the offensive and defensive side, and I think Byron Jones is going to play a big factor for this Dolphins defense. Yep, and there is my defensive player that I was talking about. At number four, I have Byron Jones signing with the Dolphins pretty much for the same reasons you just said, Trent. He obviously doesn't necessarily deserve to be the highest paid corner in the league, but the Dolphins now have the best cornerback duo in the league, in my opinion, between Jones and Xavier Howard. It was a big time move that provides Miami's defense with yet another established veteran star. They're set at that position for the next five or six years. Obviously, it was a huge contract for Jones, but, you know, sometimes you got to overpay a little bit if you want to get the stars. You're right about that. Yes. So who is number four for you, Trent? Uh, my number four may be kind of surprising to you and a lot of our viewers, but who who knows? I have uh, Tom Brady going to the Bucks at four. 
Uh, wow. My my wow. reasoning behind that is just because the Bucks are almost going for a one year, one year, maybe two year push, and that's it with Brady because that's all Brady has left, in my opinion. I think that uh, it's not a long term signing. It's it's like 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 a lot of the guys in our list. It's high risk, high reward. They're getting a guy who's very late in his career, but arguably the best quarterback of all time. And, you know, he, he's going to have all the offensive weapons he needs. And he's he's really not going to have many excuses not to put up a lot of points week in and week out. The only question mark with Brady is, you know, will his body stay healthy? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's very low for Brady. I was expecting him to be uh, higher on your list considering you put a uh, pretty expensive bet on the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl this offseason. Am I not wrong? You're not wrong about that. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, I respect that. I initially had Tom Brady at number one when I was making this list. Uh, he did not end up at that point, just to say the least. You'll find out where he was later. Uh, moving on, though, to our top three. At number three, I have a signing that I absolutely love, which is the Bills trading. It's not a signing. It's a trade, actually. I apologize. It's the Bills trading for Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen finally gets a true number one receiver to throw to, and Diggs finally gets to be the unquestioned number one wideout on a contender. Really, it's a win-win for both parties. Diggs could easily push for a career high in receptions and yard this year, and the signing could definitely help Buffalo uh, push their way to the top of the AFC East. You know, if I had remember Stephon Diggs existed, <laughs> he'd probably be at probably around the fifth position for me on my list. But I totally forgot that happened, <laughs> so he did not make it on my list. But that was a very strong uh, acquisition for the Bills. He's going to be the number one wide receiver on the team, like you said, and probably Josh Allen's favorite target for, I'd say, maybe five years to come. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's still very young. Josh Allen and him, if they can establish a good rapport and Allen can get that uh, accuracy rate up, they could be a really deadly duo. You're right about that. Yeah, so who is number three for you then, Trent? This is going to be a little weird. Um, I don't even know if this is with our rules, rules or not for this segment, but I actually went with the Browns signing Vikings offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, to be the new head coach at the number three spot. I That's know, awesome, man. I wish I had thought of that because he definitely would have been high up on my list. Yeah, I mean, I know he's not a player, and – a lot of our focus is on, you know, guys' fantasy value and, and, and more player moves. But to be honest with you, the Buccaneers – I mean, sorry, excuse me. The Browns have one of the strongest offenses or at least has the, you know, probably the biggest talents or biggest names on one offense in the NFL. Yet they haven't been able to put up the numbers expected um, by fans and, and, and just by everyone around the league. So I think by bringing in – uh, offensive coordinator from the Vikings, Kevin Stefanski. He's going to be able to put things together, create a good um, you know, connection between you know, QB Baker Mayfield, who's struggled in all his strong targets, and hopefully make a push for the playoffs this season. I like it. I like it, man. I mean, obviously the Browns had an absolute clown at head coach with Freddie Kitchens last year. The dude didn't even game plan for other teams. He just pretty much just rolled out the playbook and called plays. They actually have a smart guy uh, calling plays and running the team this year, and I think that's going to be a big reason that they translate into success 
this season. So I actually really like that decision, and I wish that I had thought of it. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to our top two. And at number two, I do have Tom Brady signing with the Buccaneers. I have a feeling we have the same one, Trent. We'll get to that later. But uh, just to talk about Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, the Bucks get the GOAT. They're immediate championship contenders. This not only helps their team, but it helps their franchise from a fans and popularity standpoint. Brady's an obvious upgrade over Jameis. There's not much more to say that you haven't covered already. Yeah, I, I just had Brady a little bit lower just because of his age, and he's more of a high-risk, high-reward kind of signing. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, if you have a chance to go out and get the greatest quarterback of all time, you can't fault the Buccaneers for trying to do it. I agree with that. So, at number two, who do you have, Trent? This is going to be a little surprising for you because you – Oh, oh boy. I have uh, the Cardinals acquiring DeAndre Hopkins at two. Oh, man. I already know who's your, your number one spot, Trent. I – I don't know if you do, but I know I know who it is. Oh. But let's just talk about Hopkins because he's my number one. Um, you know the Cardinals gave up David Johnson, who had a huge contract, so they get that off their plate, and they only had to throw in a second round pick with David Johnson to acquire arguably the most talented wide receiver in the NFL. He's going to be a franchise player for this Cardinals team. He's going to be Kyler Murray's favorite target for possibly his entire career depending on how long Hopkins and and Kyler can stay together but they're going to be a dynamic duo in this league and yeah Hopkins was to me the second most important uh offseason move this year yeah well you know we'll move on to your number one uh guy in a bit and I have an idea of who it is but for me obviously my number one uh ranking was the Cardinals trading for DeAndre Hopkins in my opinion, when you get the chance to acquire a generational talent in his prime at the wide receiver position, you have to take it. Not only did Arizona do this, but as you said, Trent, they also got rid of their worst contract in David Johnson, who we both still like, but he was on a huge albatross of a contract and simply was not working out for the Cardinals. Hopkins is arguably the most talented receiver in the NFL, and he's only 28. Don't be surprised if he and Kyler Murray click immediately and he shines in Cliff Kingsbury's high-octane passing-oriented offense. A career high in receptions and yards is definitely not out of the question for Hopkins this year, and he immediately makes Arizona a playoff contender. I mean, you're 100% right about that, and I I couldn't agree with you more. Yep, so this is the moment we've all been waiting for, Trent. If DeAndre Hopkins going to the Cardinals is not your number one pick, for the best offseason move of the 2020 NFL offseason, who was it? Who would you guess it is, Jeff? No, you know what? I just, I just want you to say it. I, I don't want to come off like an idiot, so I want you to say it. All right. I, I have a free agent quarterback Teddy Bridgewater signing with the Panthers on a three-year deal uh, as the number one offseason move. There he is. Yeah. And f- for me, the Panthers have every offensive weapon they need except a large hole at the quarterback position. They decided to let Cam Newton walk and not re-sign him. And Kyle Allen was not getting the job done, and he's out of there. Will Greer isn't their next franchise quarterback. And Teddy Bridgewater looked really strong in the Saints last year. And early on in his career, before his you know, season-ending injury and, and the surgery he had to have, he killed it on the Vikings. And he looked like he was going to be a stud. So, in my opinion, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is going to end up being the franchise quarterback 
for the Carolina Panthers. And when you pair pair him up with arguably the best running back in the in the league with Christian McCaffrey, and also who you think is one of the best young talents at wide receiver with DJ Moore, this offense is going to be really good. And all it was missing was a good quarterback. And I think Teddy Bridgewater it was the answer to the Panthers' problems. Yeah, I mean. You know I'm higher on the Bridgewater signing. He definitely better be their franchise quarterback if they're going to pay him $21 million per year. But I'm also not so sure if he can be that guy considering he's never thrown more than 14 touchdowns in a season. So we'll have to see. Uh, I love Teddy Bridgewater. I love his story, and I'm rooting for him. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how he does. Yeah, yes, we will. So now that we've talked about our top 10 free agency moves and we've ranked them, We have a final short segment for you guys, as always. Now that we've ranked these players, Trent and I have each come up with three trades or signings that we still want to see teams make. Trent, we'll start with you. What is the first theoretical move that you would like to see happen? The first move I'd want to see, or at least it's third on my list, and it's actually one we talked about in a prior episode. It's Devontae Freeman going to the Rams and, you know, either pushing for a starting job or helping mentor a young Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson. Uh, Freeman was a really strong running back on the Falcons. He put up some some major stats his first couple of years, and then injuries started to happen, and he started to fall off and had competition between Kevin Coleman, Ido Smith, and he kind of just faded out a little bit. And he said he doesn't want to sign unless he has a starting job. And I think this Rams team could be a place where he could find a home and, and a starting running back role. You know, I think that I said uh, I'd love to see Devontae Freeman come in before the Rams drafted K-Makers. If not, I'm mistaken. But uh, I am growing a little more higher on Akers now. So I don't think that signing is as realistic, especially since they spent a uh, third round draft pick on him. I still would love to see him go there. But for mine, uh, my first theoretical signing i actually have Devonte freeman as well but i don't have him signing with the rams i have him signing with the buccaneers in my opinion the the one thing tampa bay really misses right now is a reliable veteran running back ronald jones and Keyshawn vaughn are decent but i think freeman could easily come into tampa bay and resurrect his career he's an effective pass catching back and a dynamic runner when healthy he could also easily play a james white-esque role in this bucks offense earn the trust of Tom Brady, be a key player on this team as they try to make a title run this year. Yeah, I mean, I think either 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 place Devontae Freeman ends up would be a good home for him. I guess what's a little confusing to me is um, both Cam Akers and Keyshawn Vaughn, I believe, were third-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. They, they both, I mean, in theory, have similar value and were, were valued – equally by both of those teams. But I think Devontae Freeman could be a starting running back on either of those organizations. Oh, no, I definitely I'm – not, I'm not to say that uh, the Rams shouldn't go out and sign them now that they have Cam Akers, but I do believe that uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Devontae Freeman's style are a little more opposing than Cam Akers and Devontae Freeman. I think that they're a little more similar. And uh, I just think that Devontae Freeman will fit better on a team that's looking to contend, which is why the Seahawks were interested in him earlier this offseason – rather than a team that's kind of going down this year. Hey, that's fair. That's definitely yeah, fair. Definitely. So who's the number two uh, signing for you? This one's 
bit weird, definitely out of left field. Um, but my number two is the Jacksonville Jaguars to sign free agent wide receiver Paul Richardson to a one year deal. Uh, you and your Jaguars, man. I, just hear me up. The, I'm hearing you out. Uh, the Jaguars don't have many strong wide receivers other than DJ Chart, and Fournette could sit out this season. So there's a gap in, in the offensive scheme for the Jaguars. Paul Richardson is a, had a strong 2017 campaign with the Seahawks. He went for over 700 yards and six touchdowns. And I thought he was going to be, you know, Rush Wilson's next favorite target. And then he went to the Redskins and he dropped off, dropped off the face of the earth. I mean, he had subpar quarterbacks the last two years. And then he just got dropped by, by the Redskins. And I just don't see that Paul Richardson's career is over yet. He was such a freak athlete, had such strong hands in his, in his three years with the Seahawks. It's just hard for me to think that he won't be on an NFL team this year. And I thought the Jaguars would be a good fit because, you know, Gardner Minshew could use some help to uh, some help to throw the ball to some people other than DJ Chark. Yeah, you know, that was certainly out of left field because uh, when people think of the remaining free agents, they don't necessarily think of Paul Richardson. But I do remember you being extremely high on him in high school. Uh, and I think that that's a good uh, theoretical signing. That definitely could happen. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Um, so I, I did choose to stick with a couple more big-name guys for my next two uh, theoretical moves. And the first one is the Bengals trading for O.J. Howard. Tampa Bay has no need for Howard now that Gronk is there, and Cincinnati just lost, top, just lost Tyler Eifert. So in my opinion, this makes sense. Joe Burrow already has a solid receiving core to work with, but the addition of Howard would definitely help him out more. Howard is still a young and talented tight end, and he definitely needs a change in scenery. There's no place for him in this Tampa Bay offense as, uh, as of now, and the Bengals could definitely provide that for him. I think he could excel catching passes from Burrow. Yeah, I think O.J. Howard would probably prefer to leave the Bucs um, just because he could find a larger role with another team. But the question mark for the Bucs is, do they realistically think Brady and Gronk are playing any more seasons other than this year because they'd want to hold on to a young stud tight end like OJ Howard so they can fill that gap back in when Rob Gronkowski goes back into retirement. That's true. The question is, will OJ Howard accept that role for this next couple of years, whether it's one year or two years that he's really sitting behind Gronk in the depth chart as the Buccaneers look to make a playoff push. He definitely didn't have the best year for them last year either. Kind of dropped off the face of the earth. I just think a change of scenery is necessary for both sides. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a chance they could hold on to him for a little while. And I'll go ahead and uh, talk about my final uh, third free agency move that's theoretical because I know you have a good one coming up for the last. Mine is a bit crazy and it's a bit biased because I'm a Patriots fan, but it is the Patriots trading for Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, this is highly unlikely. I will stress that. It is almost definitely not going to happen, but we've been seeing rumors that the Steelers don't intend to extend Juju after this season. I still think Juju has top five wide receiver potential in this league, and if my favorite team, the Patriots, could acquire him, I would be over the moon. I'd be ecstatic. Juju also fits what the Patriots are looking for, which is a shift from older to younger players 
and an established star receiver to pair alongside Nikhil Harry for the future. So in my opinion, the fit will be perfect. Obviously, Pittsburgh would be very hesitant to trade a star receiver to a rival like the Patriots. But hey, I'm dreaming here. Hey, and you know, I think that fits perfectly with what I have at my number one spot because Juju Smith-Schuster would be a great number one target for Cam Newton on the New England Patriots. Wow. <laughs> You're kidding. I'm not kidding. You're kidding. You I, said I wouldn't guess it in a million years, man. I mean, I was talking about Paul Richardson, but... Really? To, to be fair. Okay, well, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have guessed that, but hey, man. I mean, I think Cam Newton and Juju could have a strong connection. I don't Cam New- think... Cam Newton is not coming to the Patriots, Trent. He's the Superman, the 2015... MVP winner. 2015. That was five years ago, Trent. Hey, he's still got a lot left in him. He's still one of the more agile quarterbacks in the NFL. Is he? Yes, he definitely is. I don't know. We'll have to see how he looks after that injury. I mean, I'd say he's more agile than Jared Stidham. I wouldn't say so. Did you see Stidham move last preseason? He scrambled a bit. I and I and I watched him play in the regular season and throw a pick against the Jets in one of his four passes. Oh my god! He throw he thrown like three career passes. Give the kid a break. So I guess he's thirty three percent of his passes are picks. That's not very good. I'd say it's honestly probably better than what your uh, career passing percentage would be. Possibly, but it's not better than Cam Newton's, who I think could be a great fit to be the Patriots' future franchise quarterback. I mean, listen, if Jared Stidham comes in and struggles off the bat for the first couple of weeks and they give Brian Ahoria a chance and he stinks too, I really don't think Bill Belichick will accept tanking. So I do think there is a chance that Cam Newton could end up on this team. I'm not going to rule it out completely, but I don't think it's at least until four or five games into the season. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, I, I think, the, like you said, the realistic thing would be is the Pats start 0-3, they kind of hit the panic button. They don't even turn to Brian Hoyer. They just sign Cam Newton, add him on the team. He pushes Stidham. If Stidham loses week four, Newton comes in, starts week five, and probably wins 10 games in a row. Yeah, you know, I think that's certainly plausible. And I had a lot of fun doing these rankings, Trent. I am really glad that we ended on the same page. Whether that's because we're both Patriots fans or not, it doesn't really matter. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Yep, and that's a wrap on episode 13 of The Rollout. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed it. As always, we'll be back Monday for another episode. Stay safe out there, everybody.